Good morning. I'm going to just take a drink here. Um, you know, our lives are full, and, and we're very busy. We have a lot of things, a lot of... Uh... Oh, hi. Um, yeah, just now seeing some people uh, that I've known for a while now. Um, we have a lot of things that compete for our time, energy, and attention. And so when we set aside time every week to gather like this, it's just very meaningful. Um, we get to play a very small part in a big thing, which is the kingdom of God moving forward. And so I just, I'm just grateful for you and for this time every week that we get to share together. So far in the series that we've been looking at, the Do You Need Help series, we've been exploring who the Holy Spirit is and what the Holy Spirit does. And we've seen that the Holy Spirit is a person. He's not a wind, he's not a force, he's a person, he's one of the three persons of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is um, our helper, and we also looked at how this help from the Holy Spirit comes in the context of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is the rule and reign of God over all things. And we said that the rule and reign of God is already here because that's what Jesus came to bring. But yet, in the same breath, it's not all the way here because it won't fully be here until he comes again. And so we live in this kind of age between the two times of Jesus' first and second comings. And the reason this is important is because it's actually this tension of the kingdom of God already being here, yet not being here fully, that causes us to be already not yet people in need of God's help. And the primary way that he gives us this help is through the Holy Spirit. So this week, we'll conclude the series by looking at how do we receive this help. I came across this transcript of an actual radio conversation between a U.S. naval ship and Canadian authorities off the coast of Newfoundland. And this transcript that I'm about to read was actually released by the chief of naval operations in October of 1995. The U.S. ship. Please divert your course 0.5 degrees to the south to avoid a collision. Canadian authorities reply, recommend you divert your course 15 degrees to the south to avoid a collision. U.S. ship, this is the captain of a U.S. Navy ship. I say again, divert your course. Canadian authorities reply, no, I say again, divert your course. U.S. ship, This is the aircraft carrier USS Coral Sea. We are a large warship of the U.S. Navy. Divert your course immediately. Canadian authorities reply, this is a lighthouse. (laughs) Your call. (laughs) And so it often is in our lives. The help that we so desperately need is right in front of us. But yet we've set our course, we've determined our path, we think we're doing the right thing, and pretty before you know it, we're telling lighthouses to get out of our way. And so it's important that we learn how to receive help, because if we don't, we can collide with things in our lives. And so uh, let's just pray. Lord, help us to learn how to receive your help. And uh, we just we just ask for you to illuminate your word to us this morning that we might understand and apply what you have to say about receiving gratefully the help that you make available to us every day through the filling of your spirit. Amen. 
So over the last two weeks, we've noted in the pages of the New Testament that the Holy Spirit comes into the heart and life of a believer at the moment that they accept Jesus' invitation to follow him. And so that's very important. But the, the Spirit living in you is really just the beginning of our life with God. It's when the Spirit fills our lives that we have all the help that we need from God to follow Jesus. Because it's hard. We have challenges. We have obstacles to overcome. And so we need his help. And the filling of the Spirit is what provides that help. Think of it this way. In much the same way that living in the same house with someone whether it's a, a spouse or a roommate, doesn't necessarily mean that you're living in vital connection with that person. You, it is possible to cohabitate without necessarily being in vital union and relationship. And it's the same in our relationship with God. We can have the Spirit in us as followers of Jesus, but not necessarily be in vital connection with Him on on a daily basis and a moment-by-moment basis. I think another way of looking at this is we all, many of us have uh, cell phones or mobile devices of some kind. And built into most of these devices is the innate capability to connect to the network. They have a Wi-Fi modem built in. Oftentimes they have a cellular uh, radio oftentimes built in. But my phone is of some value to me with this innate ability. I can do things locally on it just fine. But I can't make or receive calls. I can't check my email. I can't look at my calendar unless I connect to the network. And at that moment that that built-in innate capability of my phone connects to the network is when the data begins to fill my phone. And that data begins to add value to me or we at least think it adds value to us, uh, because of that connection, because of that filling. And so in much the same way it is with God in our lives, we can have that God living in us because we've accepted Christ's invitation to follow him on a, on a journey of, of faith. But yet, if we haven't made that connection to be filled with the good things that he has for us, we have more to live. We have more to go to experience all that he has. And so I think it would be appropriate that we look to see what the Bible has to say. So if you have your Bibles with you, uh, and even if you don't, you can pick one up for free here on either side of the stage. Uh, and if you, do, if you just need to borrow it and put it back because you have one at home, that's fine too. But we're going to take a look at Ephesians chapter 5, and we'll start in verse 17. And this is towards the end of Paul's letter to the Christians in Ephesus. And he says this, don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, I've really wrestled with this text because it really begs more questions than it answers. Questions like, if I have the Spirit because I've committed to follow Jesus, how is it then that I can be filled with the Spirit. It seems redundant or maybe duplicate, uh, like it's, it's a duplicate. Or another question might be, what does filling look like? Or what are the results of this, this filling? 
Is there a formula or maybe a set of guidelines that we follow in order to be filled with the Spirit? Another one that puzzles me is why in heaven's name did Paul link kind of in this inverse way being drunk with wine and being filled with the Spirit? Don't be drunk with wine, but instead be filled with the Spirit. What connection is he making there is one that I ponder. So my hope is that this morning together we can look at maybe some potential answers to some of these questions, but probably more so that we're asking a new set of questions as we move forward. There, somebody's phone is being filled with data <laughs> to add value to their life, and you'll remember that now every time. In fact, I had to remember to put mine on vibrate so that I wouldn't have that embarrassing moment. Uh, so we want to have this kind of help, but... I think we, my intent would be that we'd walk away with a new set of questions that we can be asking on this journey with God. So if Paul is writing to the Christians and he's saying be, be filled with the Spirit, so what kind of what gives? They have the Spirit, they're following Jesus, but he's saying be filled. Well, I think if we zoom in a little bit on that verb that's translated be filled, we can see four interesting things about that verb. First of all, that verb is imperative. It's really a command. Paul's saying, be filled. So if we're really serious about following Christ, this is pretty much a spiritual must-do. It's not really an option. The other thing that he uh, about this be filled phrase is it's plural. It's like Paul saying, you all be filled. Or maybe if he were from southern Texas, he might say, y'all be filled. But it's for everyone. The invitation is for everyone. It's present tense, meaning it represents an action that's not just a one-time event, but it's an ongoing thing. So ing endings in our language, we understand to be verbs that keep going. So it's kind of like Paul saying, be being filled with the Spirit in an ongoing way. And then the fourth and final thing as we zoom in to be filled, is that it's in a passive voice. There's God who's doing the action of filling, and then the Christians in Ephesus, and then we today, are receiving God's action of filling. We are the ones being filled. So we're the recipient. So if we could more fully unpack what Paul says in this simple phrase, be filled with the Holy Spirit, we could reasonably conclude he's saying something like, I implore each and every one of you to let God continually and thoroughly saturate your life with his spirit. I implore each and every one of you to let God continually and thoroughly saturate your life with the spirit. And so it's powerful. Eugene Peterson in the message puts it this way. He says, don't drink too much wine. That cheapens your life. Drink the spirit of God. Huge drafts of him. So we get a picture of God filling our lives, saturating our lives with his life. But another question that's raised in the text is what I alluded to earlier about this connection that Paul is trying to make between don't be filled with wine, be drunk with wine, but be instead filled with the spirit. I don't really have any solid answers on this one, but I would suggest that perhaps he's pointing to the issue of control. 
That is to say, perhaps he's saying something like, don't give control of your life over to wine and being drunk. Instead, give control over of your life over to the spirit. And so as soon as we kind of venture out into that um, potential hot button of control, it gets a little uncomfortable. I don't know if you have experience with control issues in your life. I know I do. Um, but I think when it comes to where our life is headed, it's very easy for us to kind of white knuckle the steering wheel of our life and hold very tightly to the course our life is taking. But I do think that Paul's encouraging the Christians in Ephesus and God's encouraging us this morning that if we want to receive his help, then we have to let go of that control and ease up on the steering wheel and let him influence the direction of our life more fully. So you might say, well, Jeff, this filling business sounds great and all, but what does it have to do with receiving help? Like, what's the connection? And I think the connection is quite powerful when we just continue reading Paul's letter. Verse 19, he speaks of, People who are filled with the Spirit have a song in their hearts on an ongoing basis. Verse 20, they're always giving thanks, so they have a spirit of thankfulness about them. Verse 21, they are submitting to one another, and so they have preference for each other over themselves. They're deferring to each other's wishes. Verses uh, 22 and through the rest of chapter 5, he's talking about how being filled with the Spirit empowers you to be able to be more of a positive contributor in your relationships with between husbands and wives. And then in chapter 6, through the first four verses, he's talking about relationships between fathers and sons, uh, mothers and daughters, parents and children. And then in chapters 5 through 9, he's talking about being filled, how being filled with the Spirit empowers you to have a more positive relationship between employers and employees. The language is slaves and masters, but I think our today we might, might relate to that more of employer to employee. And so aren't these the very areas where we are broken and just like need help? It's in our relationships. It's in having a song in our hearts. It's in being thankful. It's in preferring one another over ourselves. So if these are the very areas that we need help, then I think there is a very strong relationship between being filled with the Spirit and receiving His help in these very meaningful ways that confront and challenge us every day of our lives. I think left to our own devices as human beings, we just tend to get snarky. You know, even this week, Amy and I, you know, you could ch- chalk it up on the board how many little tiffs and fights and little things along the way. But does that invalidate our pursuit of Jesus and our uh, ability to ask God to fill us by his spirit? No, it, it's this already not yet deal where moment by moment we feel like sometimes maybe we have a bit of an identity crisis. Who am I? Because on the one hand, I'm yelling at my kids and on the other hand, I'm being transformed by God in this very meaningful way. I think that the uh, the great news is that we have this amazing God his very presence living in us, giving us all the help we need as he fills our lives. And so I think the help that he gives not only 
aids us in the natural ways, our relationships, our attitudes, our uh, having a song in our heart in those ways that we've looked at. But he also comes in powerful ways beyond natural explanation. The book of Acts is a rapid fire series of snapshots of the various ways that believers are impacted by the power of the spirit. People speak in languages they didn't previously know. The disciples, at least one of whom who had not long ago even denied knowing Jesus, were preaching and teaching very powerfully. The early church experienced explosive growth as God did signs, wonders, and miracles among them. They enjoyed genuine fellowship as they shared everything that they had in common. And it wasn't all roses along the path. The institution of their day backlashed against them and resisted what they were experiencing and tried to put it down. And so when God fills his people with his spirit, amazing things begin to happen, not all of which are explained through natural means. I think that the other thing to see here is that it's not always easy. Some really amazing things were happening with those early, the early church, but they had resistance. They had persecution. They had some intense backlash against what God was doing among them. I think another person that has something very interesting to say about this whole thing was Reuben Archer Torrey. He was a late 19th century, early 20th century pastor and writer and evangelist. And he was quoted as saying, there is a divine friend dwelling in the heart of the believer who can and who will, if we look to him to do it, will fill every nook and corner and every aching place in our hearts. And that's just encouraging to me that God not only will, but wants to fill our lives, every nook and corner, every aching place, because we have many of these in our lives, in our hearts. He wants to fill those hard-to-reach places even. And so that's just a very encouraging thing to us. So if the filling of the Spirit is the primary way that we receive God's help, and he wants to fill us every nook and corner and aching place in our hearts, then how do we invite this into our lives? How do we receive the help? How do we not be the U.S. ship who's on the course and is about ready to run into the coast until they realize that it's the lighthouse that's trying to provide that help and guidance? Well, I think sometimes this is the transition that's maybe difficult for us. We kind of in our heads get it. You know, we get that God is good. We get that he loves us. We get that he wants to help us. And we get the bit about, yes, he wants to fill our lives and saturate our lives with his spirit. But enacting it in our lives, opening the channels in our lives, doing a little bit of the loosening our grip on the steering wheel of our lives, those are the areas where maybe it gets challenging sometimes. It's kind of like there's a really great deal and all you have to do is like sign up to get it. But first you have to know like where's the dotted line? And maybe like you don't have a pen. Can you know, can I borrow your pen? It's 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 a moment of you want to sign up but you don't know how or you don't know where the pen is. Well, I think there are three really simple sort of tips that might be helpful in this uh moment of 
understanding that you want to receive God's help and then actually receiving it in your life. The first one is relax. <sighs> you know, just breathe. I think we can get really worked up on this one. Um, we want to know that God's going to act on our behalf. We want to know how he's going to help solve the difficult challenges in our lives. And we want to ask very specific things of him. And I, I think that's, we should. But remember what we saw about being filled, that we're on the receiving end and that God's the one taking the action. He's the one filling. We're the one being filled. I think the relax comes from just letting him do what he wants to do and not necessarily trying to prescribe too tightly what we need from him. Let him have room to move and let him have room to surprise us in loving ways and in helpful ways. The fears that we have, I think, can can uh, keep us from relaxing, too. You know, fears like, well, if I open the door of my life to this possibility, I don't know what's going to happen on the other side. And there's that fear that comes from uncertainty of what's on the other side of that door. But I think the great thing about God is we know he loves us. We know his intentions are only good for us. And so we can relax because he's only going to do what is good for us in our lives. Now, does that mean that everything's always going to be hunky-dory? Unfortunately, no. And the only framework I can suggest to help with that tension is what we've talked about, the already and not yet. Because no matter how already we're feeling in our lives, the, the not yet part still confronts us. Challenges at work, challenges at home, uh, the, the fragmentations of our families, illness, people that we're praying for to get well, that aren't necessarily getting well, loved ones that we lose, no matter how hard we prayed, they still uh, passed on. So all of these things are still simultaneously real in our lives, but it doesn't change the fact of how good God is, his love for us, and his intent to fill us with himself. So we can relax. The second thing is ask. You know, as frequently as possible, and, and the way it works in my life is some weeks, very infrequently am I asking God to help me. And those weeks tend to be just saying some of the harder weeks. Not because the challenges necessarily change, but because my perspective and the way I'm seeing things, the way I'm dealing with my life changes I can see a big difference between when I'm asking for God's help and when I'm not. When I'm experiencing the filling of the Spirit and when I'm not. So the thing I want to encourage you with here is don't feel like you have to reach a certain point or like God is two steps away when all you feel like you can muster is one. Because he's only as far away as he knows that you can just reach to him and connect. That's all the farther he is, no matter where we are at in our journey. And we're all at different places. And that's totally okay. If this thing about being uncomfortable, opening a door to, to who knows where, if you feel that kind of uncomfortability, well, you're in good company. Because we all feel that. And so when we ask, we can have confidence that he'll answer. 
We may not know how he'll answer, but he will answer. And the third thing I want to just suggest as a helpful tip is to expect. Jesus said, if your fathers on earth know how to give good gifts to their children, then how much more does your heavenly father know how to give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? And so we can have every confidence that he's going to deliver. He's going to come through. So we can expect with, with a high degree of confidence. The only caveat here is, again, how, hold, how tightly are we holding to the outcome, the specific outcome? Or are we willing to loosen our grip a little, give him room to move, and surprise and come in through in a way that maybe we might not be expecting? Now, every you know, kind of analogy or illustration that you want to throw at this to tie all these pieces together will fall short along some lines. They all break down. You, can't, you can only take them so far. And this one's really no exception. So out of my Oberweiss cooler, uh, I'd like to, you remember, this is your life, or this is your brain, this is your brain on drugs. Uh, maybe that dates me, I don't know. The, the, the frying pan and the, the egg. Well, this is kind of like that, only this is very positive. I mean, this isn't... <laughs> This isn't a, a message about don't do something. This is a message about what to do. And the pitcher of milk, Prairie Farms, 1% skim milk, represents our lives. Before we've really encountered God in any kind of meaningful way. We're made in his image, but we haven't necessarily accepted the invitation of Jesus to follow him. So, this is our life. We, at the moment that, or over the series of moments, however it worked in your life, accepted Jesus' invitation to follow him, we receive his spirit. The spirit is this enormous bottle of Hershey's chocolate syrup. <laughs> and in that moment, we receive all of God as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come, securing our future in him, transforming our lives and our hearts and our minds in him. And we are fundamentally changed from that moment forward. So in nothing that we've said this morning, are we devaluing or making less of this transformation that occurs when we give our lives to to God? And so... um, I just want to make sure I have enough in here. I think we were, I think we're good. <laughs> so we don't have a, some kind of diluted form of God. He didn't give us kind of part of himself. He gave us himself at that moment or series of moments in our lives when we found ourselves following Jesus. He gave us himself. But in many ways, our lives remain unchanged. Um, it's still white milk. If you didn't see me pour the giant bottle of Hershey's syrup in there and you were just walking by, you might not even notice that there's a giant glob of syrup at the bottom. Our lives can be that way. We have God, we're following Jesus, but maybe others might not even be able to tell. 
maybe uh, the, the portions of our lives that are largely continuing as they were, they are still somewhat plain. They're unaffected by the dwelling, the indwelling presence of the Spirit of God living in us. And so it's really not until we relax and we ask and we expect God to fill us that we are fundamentally infused by the Spirit. And now, instead of having a large portion of our lives be unaffected by God's living in us or um, continuing on our own course and not necessarily receiving the help that's in front of us, we actually are saturated by God's Spirit, His help in our lives, in our relationships, giving us thankful attitudes, filling every nook and corner and every aching place in our heart. And if I kept kept doing this, this would continue to pick up more of that syrup and be more saturated and more filled. What happens, though, and is already starting to happen, you can't see it, is the moment you stop stirring this thing to be filled, the syrup begins to settle. And I tried this the other day, and sure enough, it settles down to the bottom again. So when Paul's asking, commanding, actually, the Christians in Ephesus and, and God's encouragement to us today to be filled, be being filled continually, I think it's because he knows that left to our own devices, we have priorities that come in on our lives. We have things on our list of things to do. And if we're not asking on a continual basis to be being filled by his presence, things tend to settle. That vibrancy, that connection, that helpfulness, those things tend to settle in the bottom of our life. And so relax, ask, and expect, and then be filled again on a continual basis, not a one-time event. An initial baptism when we accept Christ's invitation to follow him, but many, many, many subsequent fillings. And so what you have is is real chocolate milk. A real life with God. And, you know, we just read to drink great drafts of him. <laughs> you know, one, uh, one boy really got it. He saw this illustration and it was his turn to, to pray at the end of uh, when they got home and they were around their dinner table, ready to share dinner. And uh, he prayed, Jesus, thank you for this food. And please let me taste like chocolate milk. <laughs> and so in some ways that can be our prayer too. That we could pray, God, make our lives taste more like your life. Fill us with your spirit so that we can be you to the people around us. So 
in conclusion here, we've seen that our primary source of help in living the real life that Jesus invites us into is to be filled with the Spirit. And the filling that's spoken of in the New Testament, as we read in Ephesians, is it's, in, it's to be received, it's for everyone, it's an ongoing occurrence, not a one-time event, and it's imperative. It's a must-do. And our role is to relax, let God do what he's doing, to ask him to fill us, ask him for his help in the ways that we so desperately need, and to expect him to come through. And so I'm just grateful that we have this amazing God who helps us. He doesn't kind of wind us up at the beginning and set us on our path. He's saying, I want to do this with you. And so that's just a blessing to me, and I hope to you as well. So, Lord, thank you so much that you've given us all the help we need through the filling of your Holy Spirit. And as we just dial down and relax, we do ask for you to fill us. God, I pray that the things that we've seen and heard today, we could put into practice this week and the weeks to come, that you would make a difference in our lives as we loosen up our grip on the steering wheel of our lives and let you come in and provide your guidance and provide the help that you want to give us and bring to us. And Lord, as we continue our worship by singing to you and by giving financially back to you to fund what you're doing here in this local church and also just out of thankfulness of all the provision that you've so graciously given to us, we just say thanks in your name. Amen.